0: another Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans. I'm joined by my co-hosts, as always, Sam and Maisie. What are you laughing at me for? <laughs> your <laughs> just blanket. Like, uh,
1: your, your, like, coat blanket. Yeah.
0: <laughs> always cold, aren't I? I know. So I've just not got my coat cold. all wrapped, yeah. wrapped up. Um. Good week, guys. How are we?
1: All good, yeah? Yeah, great week. Yeah. Very great. nice. Great yeah. week. Oh, yeah.
0: well, everybody's very we positive are, well, today. We're actually,
1: we're actually now in um, the International Suite where the day after the PSG game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Lovely. Uh, How good we're was absolutely that? buzzing. Amazing.
2: Unbelievable. This could have, just to clarify, this is after the away game. So the game was in Paris, <laughs> but we are at Trafford. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say home game and I realised that was the opposite of what yeah. I wanted to say.
0: I'm very excited about today's podcast. Yeah, yes. me
2: too. Yes,
0: Sammy McElroy
2: he is a ledge he is He an is absolute an absolute ledge he's a really nice guy as well he is oh
0: Sammy would never pass you without saying Louis. he is so lovely I actually remember going to interview him in my first few months at MUTV and I think he was at Morecambe at the time and he was just so obviously there's a Northern Irish connection but mm-hmm. I'd never met him and he was just so Ooh, nice to me and couldn't yeah
2: friends that does seem like a thing doesn't it When you, yeah. oh yeah there's a real, there's a real bond between you. Yeah. All. If somebody came yeah.
0: in to do the podcast, that was from Kent.
2: Yeah. Well, you'd I don't be know. loving them. We're not that worried about each other. I don't think. I'd be excited a little bit, and then maybe if they're like, maybe turn they're from North Kent or something, I hate them.
1: <laughs> is there actually a North Kent?
2: Oh, there's a big rivalry. <laughs> Bromley, you're practically London. Get the other side of the Dartford tunnel. <laughs> but the good thing about there.
0: Sammy is somebody that we all know collectively yes. very well. Yeah.
1: Wonderful career. Mm-hmm. You know, playing. Over 400 games, 13 years, two World Cups. Wow.
0: Wow, indeed. It is. When you start researching, Sammy, you think, oh my goodness. Obviously, a lot of it you know already, but it just goes on mm-hmm. and on and on. He's had an absolutely amazing playing career and managerial career too. Mm-hmm.
2: And also, quite the claim, He's was the final Busby Babe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's cool, isn't it? It is cool. Mm-hmm. I come
1: from wee Belfast.
0: wee Belfast. Are you going to do your Northern Irish accent during this episode? I did all. <laughs>
1: what about you, Helen. <laughs>
0: Sounds a tribe, <tribe-mousy>. as <laughs> I? Shall we bring him in then?
2: Hey, that's a great idea. Here's Sammy. Sammy, welcome to the May United Podcast. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Oh, is it going to be like this all the way through? No, no. <laughs> no I'm fine. Good. How's your How's your last few months been? Because obviously everybody's been locked down and there's been a bit of stuff going on around the world.
3: Bored. Bored senseless. Yeah? Yeah. Can't do anything, you know, when you go out with seeing everyone
2: masked. What do you think of uh, football without fans?
3: Shocking, actually. I still can't get used to it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad football's back, don't yeah. get me wrong. But without the fans, it just seems, and Maisie's played, and I've played, it seems like a practice game. Yeah. You know, you can hear the, 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 the players talking to each other, screaming at each other, but you hear nothing else. It's just a weird feeling at the minute. Yeah. But I am glad it's back.
2: When you watch it, do you have the fake crowd noise on or do you go for the version that, where you can just hear the players? I've tried
3: everything, Sam. I've yeah. tried everything, but it, the, both of it just ain't right, you know? Yeah. Even that sort of what I call battle sound, its mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that drives you mental as well.
0: Arthur actually suggested last week on his podcast that you just put it on mute.
3: Yeah, he did, didn't he? Well...
0: Then you don't know any difference, do
3: you? Well, you don't know any difference, like, but uh, sometimes you try to have that sound on to make it a little bit more interesting, but it's yeah. definitely not. To you make amazing. your
0: life feel a little bit normal, too, because yeah. you're used to that noise in your house with uh, the To be, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm
3: thinking of the players, how, how they actually cook weird as well, because even when we used to play practice games, yeah. That's that. that was weird. Yeah. You know, you, especially in the stadium, you played practice games, you're know, mm-hmm. thinking, you know, with no noise, it was, mm-hmm. it, it, it was weird.
2: Do you think it would affect the intensity? Yeah. Absolutely.
3: No matter, you, know, you look at the game, Tottenham V, whatever, or Man United v, you think, oh, that's going to be a good game. The atmosphere would
2: have been electric for that. Now you stick it on the box and it's nothing. Yeah, it's
3: dead. Absolutely dead.
2: Maisie, when you've been doing co-commentary stuff, do you have fake crowd noise in your ear so that no. when you speak, it sounds like... No. Because you know, I know some commentators have been doing that.
1: It is, it is weird. And it's, doing it last night for the PSG, mm-hmm. there's no noise at all. And it's, it's just weird. Yeah. It is weird.
0: Have you heard, Sammy, that Arthur called you a party animal on our podcast? A party animal. You and Jimmy Nickel, he described as party animals in our day. Well, I well, don't he know. Did. <laughs> he, didn't know he didn't specify. <laughs> uh,
3: well, I like a good champagne. I've been known to like a, a, a drink now and then, and
0: not champagne. I, though. you're not a champagne no, no, no. fan. Never had champagne I in that. my life. No, Never I knew had that. champagne
3: in my life, and. Um, uh, only lager, to be fair. No shorts, no wine, no nothing. Just, just lager. Yeah, me and me and Jimmy, uh, we, we liked a good time. Mm-hmm. We used to be checked as well, believe it or not, when we played for Northern Ireland. The manager at the time, Billy Bingham, when we got together on a Sunday for the game on a Wednesday, we used to send the trainer around. Bobby McGregor, Billy Bingham, used to send the trainer around to see if we were in our bedrooms, which I found to shoot to. Well, well oh, the whole squad. I, I thought it was the whole squad <laughs> But then me Actually it was Jimmy Nick found out That he was only checking that me and Nick were in our bedrooms Which I thought was shocking mm, Me being is, the captain as well so I thought is, he would trust me
0: That is confirmed then that you were a party animal And, and, yeah. you, and possibly still are Arthur used to hang
3: on you know Helen Arthur used to hang on <laughs> So don't let him con you
2: <laughs> Were you in your bed when he was checking? Definitely so well, because you, you say, you know, you thought he should trust you. But Two single beds. Yeah.
1: And Jimmy Nick. Yeah, but did you not, like, put pillars underneath underneath the sheets? <laughs> yeah. So it looks like you're actually in bed and just have the TV on, like, really low. Oh, they're both, they're both asleep. So you've done that, mate?
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: when he was Pass six. To a drink. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sammy, um, let's go back to the start of your childhood. Excuse the both of us if we go very Belfast and Northern Irish on this episode. Yeah,
2: I thought that might accent. happen. I know, yeah. But it's okay,
0: Maisie can do a fantastic Northern Irish um, accent. <laughs> um, talk to us about your childhood, siblings, parents. What was life like for you?
3: Born in Belfast, obviously. I was the only child. Mum and dad. My dad was a footballer, amateur footballer back home. Played for um, Linfield back home. And um, I had a great upbringing. They looked after me, unbelievable. Everything... Obviously, we, had, we lived in a two-up, two-down with no money, nothing like that. Both my parents worked. But I, my dad got me really into football at an early age. By the time I was nine-year-old, Mersey Street School, primary school, started getting into football. Bob Bishop, the old Northern Ireland scout, started looking at me then at nine-year-old for Mersey Street. And uh, just my dad, ball, Christmas time, boots, everything was all around football. Mm-hmm. So I had a really... As I say, happy upbringing, and um, they looked after me unbelievable. And uh, since then, nine football was just my life. I wanted to be a footballer, especially with the legs at the time with George Best about. Mm. He joined United in um, 63, I think.
0: What was the age difference between the two eight, of you? Eight years. Yeah,
3: yes. Cause, and, and Bestie only lived like a bus yeah. ride right away. We mm-hmm. were not far away, you know, from where we used to East Belfast. Mm-hmm. And um, once I've seen him play, black and white, Tally and M. Dez Allen. I mean that was one of the reasons why I wanted to become a footballer, because he was just unbelievable.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Would you try to when you were playing when you were you were sort of nine or ten? You've seen him. Would you try to do the things you'd seen him do
3: on oh, the street? You know, mm. it, it's not like the kids these days have got everything for them. We yeah. used to put jumpers down as goalposts, playing the concrete. And you're right, Sam. I'd try to beat people away. Best he used to beat people and do things he used to do. And, till we used to play right after school, till you got called in for your tea, then out again, and then till it was dark, your mother called you in. That's what we used to do nearly every day. That's all I used to do, because I I wasn't smart Mm -hmm. at school. There was no way I was going to be a scientist or out like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just a football (laughs) end off. Yeah. Did you enjoy school? When it was sports day and stuff like that, and when it was gym and stuff. I I used to be good at uh, geography, Mm -hmm. history, only because of football. And you were like the main uh, yeah. countries were because AX was like Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. That's how I used to work it. You know, stuff like that because the great football teams and where they used to play, that used to stick in my brain. Nothing else that does work.
4: <laughs>
0: it's fair to say then you were absolutely football fanatic. Football
3: daft. Absolutely football daft. Did you daft. To go watching your dad as well? No, no, no. no? Um, uh, my dad, as I say, he was uh, amateur and... Um, but uh, he I, I, I actually played Northern Ireland Amateur International, which, which was great I've still got his shirt from from that day uh, but I've never actually seen no. him play, but when my mum and dad, who they like to drink as well uh, in their day, they used to bring people back to the house for, for having a drink my dad's mates used to tell me as a kid how, how good my dad was you know, mm-hmm. and um, that's probably one of the reasons as well that I wanted to to become Mm. a footballer because everyone used to say my dad was a a good player as well. You grew up in the Troubles as well. What was Mm. that like as a kid? Horrendous, horrendous. Luckily, well, you say luckily, I left in 69 when it was just sort of kicking Kicking off, off. but the big worry I had was leaving my parents behind because where I lived in East Belfast, it was massive, massive trouble. Mm -hmm. Really um, horrendous, you know, people getting killed. I mean, one of my school friends, Andy Petterbridge, got shot. Just actually standing on a corner, uh, watching the trouble from a distance, and um, gunshot ricocheted off a wall, killed them. Oh. You know that was that was horrendous, and I was so homesick as well, Maisie, uh, uh, when I first went at sixty nine because leaving my parents, especially in the trouble days, coming to Manchester was a totally, totally yeah. different city. This is so massive, and the people were different. There's we've talked about before, it's so different. All right,
0: Sammy. I think that was a private conversation. Belfast
3: people. <laughs> no, Belfast people, the Irish people, are so led back as you, yeah, you, yeah. you've been there so different many times to like a yeah. good time, whatever. But coming here, I used to think, oh my God, this is, I'm not going to settle here. Mm. And um, I went home a few times with homesickness, but you're with that good. In them days, they used to send you once, uh, once a month, they'd send you back home just till you get used to it and and then... Was there any time in that part
1: of your early career I'm gonna stay at home?
3: Yeah. First first six months I'm gonna come over here and when I keep on going back, it was only down to my father that I came back to Manchester. My mother would have would have kept me there. Yeah. I know that for a fact. But my dad said, because of the troubles, why are you gonna stay here? Mm-hmm. And I used to try and convince my dad. We used to go and watch like some Irish league teams play. And I used to say to my dad, this ain't bad, dad. You know, I wouldn't mind playing for so-and-so. Mm. And he'd just look at me. He didn't say anything. He'd look at me as if to say, no chance. But I think deep down inside, because of the, the troubles that were yeah. getting worse and worse and worse, he wanted me out of the way, which I can understand, obviously. Absolutely.
2: I think one thing about all of that that's fairly extraordinary so one of my uh, one of my best friends his wife is from belfast and we've talked about the troubles quite a lot because growing up in england you don't really learn about it it's not something that's ever really touched upon or you might have one history lesson where they say and of course in northern Ireland there was the troubles but the name is is quite friendly like it, does, it doesn't sound anywhere near as dramatic as it was so i suspect that there'll be a lot of people that are listening to this that are, that are from england they might have a great education on what the troubles was other than just thinking well, I guess there was a bit of trouble. But it was—it mm. must have been a properly uh, dramatic and relatively traumatic time. And, and it must have been very stressful to be growing up in that environment, especially leaving your parents behind and then sometimes mm. coming back. And Because I was thinking, I might ask you, surely your parents were thinking, go to Manchester because it's, it's maybe not safe for you to be here.
3: Well, I, that, that's exactly how I think my father thought, Sam. Yeah. You know, uh, what's the point to staying here because you could have been lured into an organisation or mm-hmm. whatever. And what you know, what would you have done then? Um but, you, but you're right what you say but in them days i mean it was on the television mm-hmm. every day i mean uh, you've been in the europa hotel oh yeah yeah most bombed hotel in europe 13 yeah. times yeah that hotel was bombed and uh, that, that was crazy you know and um it's a fantastic place now as helen will tell you i mean the, the shops uh restaurants bars everything now is buzzing people are coming back from all over the world now it's really turned itself around and Long may that continue. But in them days, 69 till right, how many years would you say, Helen? Like 10, more, 20 years. It was really bad. Even Northern Ireland, my debut, I couldn't play at Windsor Park because of the troubles I had to go to Hull. Terry Neal was the player manager of Hull City at the time and also Northern Ireland. So we had to go to his club, Hull, for my debut against Spain couldn't play in Belfast because it was that bad.
0: Did that ever affect obviously you met Bob Bishop. What age were you when you met Bob Bishop?
3: Nine. Nine.
0: Mm -hmm. Did that ever affect people coming over from Manchester to scout players or did that ever make a difference? No,
3: not really. Um, not not really. I mean when you when you look at when you when you think about what he what he actually done here for for this club, I mean Mm -hmm. bestie alone, forget bestie alone. You know, you've got Jimmy Nickel, David McCreary. Big Whiteside, yeah. uh, Tommy he had, good, he had a good eye, didn't he? <laughs> oh, um, th- did he know a footballer? Unbelievable. Yeah. And he, he never married the man either, never married, just football, football daft. Walked everywhere, walked, never get buses. He walked everywhere where he lived in East Belfast. He used to walk to all the grounds. Now I remember a place called Hallands Bay. Mm-hmm. He had a little sort of like a bungalow thing on a farm. And all the players that he liked he would take down there in the summer and the weekend just to get them all together, playing football, playing football. And then the school holidays, he'd take you down like for two weeks just to be playing football, seeing how you were doing. He used to run us on the beach and stuff like that and play football on the beach. It was unbelievable. He had had done that there for years Mm -hmm. with all the people he was sending over to Manchester. But what you had to do, when you were there for two weeks, you you used to have to bring food for the two weeks. And sometimes I used to say to Bob, Bob, I want to bring uh, Jimmy Mack down. Is that all right? Yeah, no problem. Can he he play, he used to say, laughing. He said, yeah, he's all right. He's not a bad footballer. (laughs) So anyway, Jimmy Mack lived in a really, really poor family. And um, what we used to have to do, go into the the house, big table like this. Everyone had to put the food on the table. And Bob would look to see who brought what. Anyway, Jimmy Mack. Didn't have any food because his parents yeah. couldn't give him any food. So when we came to eat, everything Jimmy Mac ate, Bob would go, Can't believe it. Can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> because he never bought any food. Yeah. He would be he able to go weeks. at him. It was He's unbelievable. Storming. He was a character, but a great man, fantastic man, especially for Manchester United.
0: Did he come to Manchester with you in the initial days?
3: He came over a couple of times. Uh, he he, he came, the, the club invited him over a couple of times and he came over to a game, a pre season game against Real Madrid. Um nice. I think the score was 4 4 in a friendly game uh, before the season. He came over to that one, went to Wembley, went to all the cup finals in the 70s and stuff like that.
0: But did he bring you over whenever oh, no. you first came on trial? You oh, just no, came in your no. own, no. yeah. United you, you know would get the ticket, yeah.
3: there's your, your plane ticket, yeah. get to the airport and away you go. Mm-hmm. That was it. He, he never came over, no.
2: Yeah. No, is it right that Bob Bishop bought you your first pair of boots?
3: Yep, toe caps, mm-hmm. uh, brown toe caps. Um, he bought the first first pair of boots. Toe so, caps, steel toe caps. Yeah, yeah, you like uh, you know them at the end of his big like yeah, like a toe cap that was in 16, is that what the names? 69, right. Uh that's that was my first pair of boots, pair of toe caps. Oh, there's actually a picture over there. Yeah, are they your boots, Sam? Just like that, not not, not as big a heel as that. Like right. more more they must lower, have been so but just heavy. like that. Leather studs. Leather studs, correct, yeah. it 69? 69, that was, that's just the way it was in them days, you know, he, that was my first pair of boots and look at them now, yeah. they're like <laughs> slippers. Yeah. How
2: do you think you'd have gotten in a pair of those, Maisie? i would have been all right. I'll <laughs> Wait, tell you well, what, if you, th- th- what, th- th- you th- get kicked th- with them, oh, yeah. you knew you yeah. were kicked.
1: I remember the, le- the leather studs, they had like three little nails in them. Three little
2: nails in them, Yeah,
1: correct, and used to wear down. That's right, but I remember being at Blackburn as an apprentice and... Mm-hmm. Full back, he was called Jim Brannigan. Yeah. Don't know whether you, you I, know, I know the name, yeah. yeah. So the, the studs are actually like maybe four or five little layers, or yeah. three or four layers. In the winter, because obviously we, he would part never had under soil eating. No, no one did then. There's. Yeah. He would tell me to get the the first layer of leather off, so the actual
3: nails would come would through come the through to stick in to, the, to get in the ground. That's right, that's right. That's very right. true. Lethal. That, that's what happened, yeah. Lethal. Yeah. But they used to wear down, and you know, the, the, the more you played in them. And then to try to get them out, to put new ones in, was a nightmare because sna- they were snapping. It was uh, unbelievable. And, 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 and as an apprentice in United, you used to have to do that when you used to clean the pros' boots. Yeah. They had studs like that in the early days, and they were terrible. Imagine them out. being pink. No. like <laughs> today's all bright yeah, orange or yellow, or yellow don't
0: know they're living now Sammy do they oh I'll tell you what in
3: them there's <laughs> the players you used to play against if you had pink boots I will tell you what Tommy Smith would have sorted you out <laughs>
0: <laughs> tell us about first coming over to Manchester United signing a contract tell us uh, about that period uh,
3: my first contract was an apprentice yeah um, I was on five pound a week and the club paid my digs which I think the landing league got a fiver as well uh,
0: and how old were
3: you then when I first come over 14 I signed on my birthday I would be 15 mm-hmm. on £5 a week and digs paid for you uh, 15 two year apprenticeship to 17 and then if you get taken on you signed a yeah. professional form and my professional form at 17 was Les Olive took me into his office, I've still got that contract by the way, No way, do you? £17 a week, sorry £5 £12 and then 17 when I played on the first team. £17 a week on the first team. What, Maisie? In the summertime, I went back to £12 because you weren't playing. Didn't pay you in the summertime. In them days. You only paid when you played mm. in the season. In the summertime, mm-hmm. when you had six weeks off, you were on a lower wage. What was your digs like? Did you swap around? Because you spoke to Arthur. Uh, yeah, early on. I spoke to early, Arthur a couple of weeks Early on, I, I struggled. I struggled really badly. Because uh, I was homesick. and uh, My first was in... Stratford, Mrs. Uh, Bearton. couldn't stay there at all. Lasted a week there, not her fault to be honest with you. It's just because it was homesick. And then I went to, Cavendish uh, Road, Mrs. Barrett, where I met Brian Greenoff. A room with Brian Greenoff there. That was okay. Stayed there for a couple of years, um, and then I went to Mrs. Thomas, which was probably my best, my best ones. Yeah. But I had about three or four I couldn't settle in, just really down to homesickness. Mm.
2: Do you remember when it first became apparent? So the opportunity to sign for Manchester United was in front of you?
3: Um, at the time when I came over um, when I was 15 when, it, when they asked me to send the apprenticeship I could have went then to Manchester City or Everton as the same thing mm-hmm. but actually just down to Bestie mm-hmm. is the reason why I yeah. wanted Manchester United and don't forget they'd won the European Cup in 68 mm. which, which was fantastic and I joined in 69 so Everything, the club was buzzing at the time. And um, that, was, that was the main reason why I went to Manchester.
2: And you were to Matt's last Busby Babe, right?
3: Last uh, professional signing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which, which was great. And uh, I had a little bit with him as well in the team when I was 16. I used to play in some friendlies. Uh, I used to go to Dublin quite a lot. Mm-hmm. North, play friendlies. And he played I me in uh, uh, a friendly against Bohemians, 30,000 people in Bohemians' ground. And, um, you know, for me at that age, 16, to play with Bestie, Dennis Law, Paddy, Bobby, was unbelievable. And uh, I always remember that game. I actually think Harry Gregg might have been guesting for Bohemians, the goalkeeper. And I scored in the second half, 2-0 we win. And about 15 minutes before the end of the game, our goalkeeper, Big Alex, taking a goal kick. And I, could never belie- I couldn't believe this, because I'm facing Big Alex and all our players are all coming over to this side near the tunnel. And I'm thinking, I can't understand this. We haven't talked about this before. Before Big Ali kicks the ball, there was a pitch invasion. So all our lads had, had realised what was going on. They all started running up the tunnel. I'm at the other side of the park. There's about
0: <laughs> thousands of people
3: on the pitch trying to get my shirt and everything. And I thought, oh, my God.
0: Is that, that had to get abandoned that game? Got abandoned,
3: yeah. yeah. Got stopped. Got yeah. stopped because of the crowd running onto the pitch. Yeah, But that's where it was. Uh, the support in North and South for Manchester United in Ireland was unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable.
0: Had you met, you obviously say that George Best was a hero, but only eight years older. Had you met him before you came over to Manchester? Not until I
3: came to Manchester, no. Bob used to take me to a couple of international games at Windsor Park when I was about 10, 11 years of age. And it seemed best he play one game against Scotland at Windsor Park when he absolutely tormented Gemmell. Creedy, all these people, John Gregg of Rangers. I'm not sure if Paddy played that game, but anyway, and Dennis played. And best that th- this is one of the games that really took him to the fore mm-hmm. in the um, late 60s, you know, that would have been about in about 65 or something like that. He was unbelievable, mm-hmm. and uh, that that day the crowd. Just give him a standing ovation when he came off the pitch. He he beat Scotland on his own that day. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Did he
1: um did he take you under his wing because you're a young Northern Ireland
3: kid coming over? To be fair, is he, he 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 was one of the first obviously to come over. When he found out he was from Belfast, mm-hmm. and he came over, I, I I introduced him to my mum and dad. They were delighted with that, and and um, he, he just like he probably said it to all the lads from 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 Belfast at the time. You know we'll look after him, and and that's why he was. He was he was a f- fantastic generous man. And um, he loved the game. He loved training. To watch him in training was was, was unbelievable. The things he used to do, mm. you know, and uh, it was just fantastic. The the play with him in Northern Ireland and mm. Manchester mm-hmm. it was great, mm-hmm. fantastic. Where would he be in today's? Ah, uh, anyone? He, he's he's the best I've ever seen. I don't care what anyone says. I know, even here at United, people talk about Duncan Edwards, which I've only seen in film. A lot yeah. of people say Cantona, and you know. Yeah. more than me about Cantona but for me in the era that best he played and the pitches that he played in the people he played against he was the best he was brave as a lion. and he, he got kicked he'd get up played in mud baths mm-hmm. and people would be stamping on him he didn't care he got get up and could do everything head left foot right foot tackle everything Kicker complete well. player nasty mm-hmm. as well He you look after himself yeah look after himself and it was fantastic just to see him do all those things.
2: As mm-hmm. someone who, I guess, idolised him as a, as a child and watched him growing up and obviously you're both from Belfast and then you got to be teammates, how hard was it for you to see what would follow for George Best?
3: Well, I mean, at the time, when I, when, when I first got into team William, in Northern Ireland, 71, 72 and United, 71, 72, best he would only have been 25 and he had the world in front of him but by that time obviously the press mm-hmm. this little thing he did the press would be hounding him because of his lifestyle and I, I could actually see at times a little bit of change in him that he, he didn't seem to be enjoying the way he used to enjoy it and I'd be in the team with him and, 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 and stuff like that and, and I'd see him maybe try to do something which he would do 9 out of 10 come off, things didn't, things were just, even the 25 were just beginning to, to go away from him mm. because he started drinking heavily at the time. And, well, it just went from worse. I think his first retirement was at 25 years of age, down to the distress pressure. And, strength, pressure. Yeah. and mm. then his mother started, obviously, drinking. She never drank in her life until the pressure on George and and she died through drink as well, so that must have hit him really yeah. hard, mm-hmm. you know. But that was just the the illness that he had, and um, it was a shame because 1982, I always remember when he went to America, and um, he was playing, I think it was Loredale or something like that, when he scored that amazing goal, Maisie. Yeah. yeah. Well, we tried to get him in the squad for '82 Spain because he was in great nick, looked fantastic. But Bingham wouldn't, Bingham just said, I can't trust him. That was his words. I can't trust him.
0: Do you think he would have been open to go into that squad? Surely Helen, he would have wanted Helen, to play in the you, World Cup I Helen, I how can
3: you turn down a World Cup, you know? And, um, how can you retire at 25? I, <laughs> exactly. But what I'm trying to say is, it would have given the squad a lift. Oh, good yeah, uh, yeah. Just with him being, but I, and, a, and a manager's head on, you can understand mm-hmm. Bingham.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But for the players in the squad that day, we wanted him in. Mm-hmm. It would have been worth the risk, wouldn't it? And he picked Bobby Campbell instead from Bradford. <laughs> do you know? Yeah. Do you know what you play against Bobby Campbell? No, I know, uh, I know he
1: is, but I've never played against him now. Oh, he was no. a handful, but that was a choice.
0: So, Sammy, you on your 17th birthday, you signed a professional contract and you actually went on to make your debut alongside George Best. Mm-hmm. What was that moment like for you playing in that team? Did you feel a little bit intimidated by the legendary status of the players that were in that, that team that day or were you quite comfortable?
3: I didn't actually know Helena was playing that day until 11 o'clock on the Saturday morning. I was in digs in Stratford and on a Friday night in them days, used to, before the derby, they had a mini derby, reserves, United Reserves v City Reserves on a Friday night and I went to the cliff on the Friday. Big Bill fox was the um, manager of the reserve team at that day and I'm coming down the steps to go into the dressing room, and Big Bill stopped me and said, "Um, "Tomorrow, report for the first team, Uh, make sure you wear a collar and tie, and um, make sure you're on time. So that's all he said. Just honestly, that's all he said. So I I go into the changing room, I train that day, thinking that I'm going to play that night, and I must admit, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to help out, Jack Crumpton with a kit, or hmm, whatever, <laughs> just go along for Water a bit boy. of experience. You can't with, imagine. With the first team. Can't imagine.
2: Not in a million years you just that I Im- think. Yeah, you just but I mean, you just can't imagine, like if a young player now was told, uh, like a uh, 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 palestra yesterday was in the, the first team yeah. squad at uh, PSG. You can't imagine him going, yeah, maybe I'm just going to be helping put the kit out. <laughs> yeah.
4: Like, it, honestly, it's
3: it's
2: in, in them
3: days, that's where it was yeah. because there was one substitute or whatever, 12 people went. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that. And yeah. then I remember getting the bus from Stratford, Chester Road to Old Trafford, walking down Warwick Road thinking, not in a million years I'm going to play. And uh, Franco Farrell called me into his office and said that Dennis had missed fitness test. He's not playing. You're you're starting today. And and that's all he said to me. And we went to David Hume Golf Club for our pre-match meal and then drove to Main Road. That's the way the Saturday morning was that I found out that I was playing. Obviously, no mobiles in them days. I couldn't tell my family, my parents, whatever. I couldn't tell anyone. How did they find out then? Not much of the day? My dad, my dad was a bookie in them days in Belfast. And obviously, there was televisions about yeah. in, the, in the bookies. And he actually uh, heard that I'd scored the first goal against Man City. And he thought, aye, aye. <laughs> what's what's <laughs> happening here? And that's my son. Did not uh, have a bet on you? <laughs> <laughs> well and then on the Saturday night I went to um, a phone box and uh, I knew the, 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 the pub my mum and dad would be in Turn Social Club, Football Club, Social Club and I phoned them there and I, I explained everything what happened and he, they were over the moon and my dad told me he heard it in the bookies that day and he said uh, he just like threw everything up and said wow. nice scored for Man United today did you have a pile of two P's or five P's or ten P's? What was it? What was it in them days? Might have been a half a crown or something. <laughs> I'm not too sure, but it was one of them beep, paintings. Beep, yeah, beep, 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 beep. beep, 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 beep. Gotta yeah. go. Yeah, it was one of them boxes, like, you know, and uh, oh, they were delighted. And that's, that's exactly how I, I knew I was playing my first game.
0: And you went on to score in your first four? Is four that right?
3: Yeah, first four games. Yeah, because Brian Kidd then got injured in that day. Dennis came back against Spurs, our home game. My home debut against Spurs 3-1, I scored one, Dennis got two. Um, And then we went to Southampton, we beat Southampton 5-2, Bestie got three, I scored and Brian Kidd scored. So uh, the first four games, was unbelievable. It's not a bad start, is it? It's not bad, no. At 17, no. no. 17. Uh, yeah.
2: But it's, uh, there's, a, there's a, from a few the people we've talked to, a few people have had a similar start. Ryan Giggs made his debut against City. Arthur made his debut and against City. Yeah. Yeah. There's people there's said a, I was thinking and, that earlier. And also very young. Do you think, is it some sort of management t- We we'll Throw them into a real tough one and see how they get on.
3: Simon, so mean, at this football club over the years, right from the Busby days, mm-hmm. age was never a problem. Yeah. As Maisie will know. Age was never a problem. If you're good enough, you're old enough. That's that's mm-hmm. what was the motto here. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Go on, there you are. Go on, go and see what you can do. And um, that's where it's always been. It's
0: actually a really nice motto, isn't it? Well, yeah. that's the way Sir the Busby Matt. Babes,
3: yeah. the Busby Babes, and and whatever. And um, if you if 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 you're good enough, you're old enough. And you know at seventeen, especially going to Main Road. Who, man, City were a a good side in them days as well. Bell, Summerby, Lee. Meg Doyle at the back, Alan Oakes and all, they were a good side and for to the pay against them sixty three thousand people there as well. And you walk out and you hear this roar, unbelievable. But as you tried to say before, I had no time to be nervous. No. I no. just I was just gonna ask you then what was your thoughts walking out on the pitch? What oh, were you nervous? I mean, I never heard a noise like it in my life, you know, and when you walk out and it's just the roar and you see the red and you see yeah. the blue, it was amazing. Um and just just a fantastic experience that Especially the game, finishing 3-3, three, three, mm-hmm. six goals. end the end, stuff was unbelievable. Talk us through your goal. Starts on the right-hand side. Uh, I actually, Steve, big Steve James centre half gives the ball to me on the right-hand side. In my own half, I, I pass it inside to Bestie. Bestie's running away for a bit. I just keep on running. Bestie then plays it to Brian Kidd on the right-hand side. Bestie runs into the box. Kiddo costs it in. Comes to Best, who tries to turn Tony Book pulls bestie back, it's gonna be a penalty, but I'm just actually following up. Bestie can't get the ball. I follow up. Left footer past Big Joe, Corrigan. So I ran out of the ground the time we get back just in time for kickoff. <laughs> uh unbelievable feeling. Yeah. And you in in your in your debut. That's Did you for-
0: feel ready at that age? Did you feel like I am physically, mentally Everything ready.
3: I don't think you do, Alan. No. I don't know in no. your debut. I don't think you do. You just you want to play. Don't get me wrong. You, you you're there for a reason. You you're there to play for the first team. I didn't even have many games in the reserves. I was
0: just going to ask how long did no, you actually train I, with those players before you got thrown in? Well, obviously,
3: again down to Busby, young lads and first team players and everybody all this, they all sometime mingled together, mm-hmm. which was great. Mm. Um, so that that didn't really matter like obviously i knew all about the players and stuff like that but uh they actually play your, it, my first thought was oh i can't let these down that was i was more concerned about, about letting the them down rather, yeah than me actually doing well and luckily everything went okay you know but uh okay that's, that's just, just okay yeah just okay
0: <laughs> what um what was your relationship like with busby
3: i oh, he, he, he was fantastic he 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 was, for me, Manchester United, and this is why it is today, what we've got. Uh, first thing that really impressed me with Sir Matt was that he knew everyone by their first name, from apprentices to the the ladies in the laundry, the groundsmen, everything. People's partners, family. He knew them all by the first name, and he made everyone feel part of what
4: That's was that. going on. Like, yeah. And I... Th-
3: I, I, I realised since I was 15 years of age and um, and even when I went away with the first team at 16, when, when, when it was sub and, and stuff like that, he didn't sort of come over and make a big fuss of you. It was just a natural thing. You know, you're, you're here now, get, get on with it. And he was brilliant mm-hmm. like that. But everyone talks about, you know, how he got a hard sort of way about him. He was always very immaculate, dressed immaculate all the time. But he would let you know if things weren't right. Mm-hmm. But the most things that always stick in my mind as well is when you, before you went out to play, make sure those fans are entertained. They have worked all week, Trafford Park, they come to see entertainment, make sure you entertain them. And I thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think Sir Alex also took that on board as well. Uh, he, Sir
2: he,
1: Alex. you, everybody? Uh, correct. Wives, girlfriends, everything. I think that's brilliant, Major. Yeah. And Absolutely. I think he got that
3: there from Sir Matt. And those, he took that on. Because no other manager... No. I mean, Tommy Duck was fantastic. Tommy Duck was was flamboyant and stuff. And he used to get involved with, you, with your family and make a joke and make a crack. But I think Sir Alex as well took that on board mm. with no, making everyone at the club feel important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant at that. And uh, Sir Matt brought that to the club. No doubt about that.
2: How did you feel when he stepped down?
3: Well... Um, when he steps down the thing is who's going to replace mm-hmm. Sir Matt Busby the pressure on the next manager is going to be unbelievable which was Franco Farrell mm-hmm. uh, from Leicester Franco Farrell who gave me my debut and um, well there's been so many Sam since yeah. Sir Matt right up until what you call Sir Alex to get everything back to where we wanted it to be some great managers as you say Tommy Duck Dave Sexton Big Ron They've all had their goal. They've all had great cup runs, but it was that championship that was missing. Even in my day, best I got was runner-up with Dave Sexton to Liverpool. Um, Every other manager, Tommy Duck third, but we got their cup final, well, three cup finals in the 70s, but no championship. So they all tried right up into Sir Alex, Mm -hmm. who turned it round. You was in a car crash as well.
4: Yeah, 17.
3: 17 uh, was
1: 73, was it? Well,
4: you weren't 73. 73. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it after
1: the car, guys.
3: <laughs> uh, what was that about? What happened I was, there? I was actually going for fish and chips, five o'clock in the evening, fish and chips, and I had my partner at the time with me who was expecting a baby. And um, I'm driving down Chester Road, turning left into Cavendish Road, where my pal John had a fish shop, a fish and chip shop mm-hmm. on the corner. So I thought, I'll go down there to get some fish and chips. Used to go after me, John, uh, with these fish and chips. And, and turning right, going down to the fish and chip shop, and this car came from the side, whoosh, the right my side, driver's side. And that's all I know. Completely out of it. Uh, unconscious for 10 days. Broken, four broken ribs and a punctured lung. Um, gone. Luckily, my partner at the time, nothing at all, nothing. Didn't affect the baby or nothing. She was okay, but I was completely out of it, completely out of it. And that's. Did, I, you,
1: did you ever think for any moment there, that that's it, you craze over and. Oh. Well,
3: obviously, I woke up in the hospital bed, and believe it or not, one of the f- one of the first times I woke up, I had Paddy Curran over me with <laughs> Tommy Duck, and, death uh, to death. <laughs> and uh, Paddy Paddy had brought the duck up to see me in the hospital um, in Davy Hume Park Hospital, and I, I could see them Maisie, but I didn't know what they were saying. I didn't know what they were saying. I was just completely out of it. just imagine that. It's a good job I didn't know what no, Paddy yeah, was saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, that, was, that was that. And then.
0: How long did that take out of your. Five months. Five months. That happened, was- it
3: happened in, I think it happened in January, 73. And I, uh, the doc, who I'd got the job then, mm-hmm. tried to get me right in middle of May to go on, on a youth tour to Switzerland, which I used to do quite a lot in them days. And, uh, and I went, but uh, I started sort of trying to play again then, but I was nowhere nowhere no. near ready till the following season yeah. because my breathing with the lung and everything, I, could, I couldn't, couldn't really get going. But I went to that youth tournament and played a few games, but nowhere near, mm. nowhere near. But uh, the, the other thing major, what you're talking about, that story is, when I got that car crash, I was told by uh, one of the doctors that the fire brigade and the ambulance had said, leave him, he's gone. Wow. Look after the lady who's pregnant. I was told that when I was coming through from Park Hospital. They, they actually thought I, I, was, I was gone. They till, till I actually as i say I, I i don't know anything about no. this i can just remember waking up in in the hospital 10 days later 10 day. days later wow yeah but.
0: did you hear what about your parents like who told them at the time or, well obviously yeah, my manager? partners
3: uh, mum and dad at the time yeah would uh, would tell them because i brought i brought my um, my mum and dad over after that i brought my mum and dad from belfast the following the following season 74 75 i brought them over because obviously one of the troubles and actually what had happened and stuff like that and i brought them over the club were fantastic they bought the house for me behind the stratford End, colley street and um i paid them back but they they bought the house for me and i i paid them back and cuz of the yeah. i i told them because of the troubles get my mum and dad over mm-hmm. here cuz um it's not great over there so the club mm-hmm. helped me with that but yeah they i think they actually uh they found out obviously that night that um, because they hadn't got a phone mm-hmm. um, I, I don't actually know how they actually found out but obviously it was in the papers the next day as well what had happened so they found out and it was just tragic that as a parent
4: I know. waking mm-hmm.
1: up and reading the papers obviously
3: that's yeah. it it's so mm-hmm. way finding out yeah, unbelievable. but as you know yourself and then there's there no, no mobiles no or God, anything no. at all like that you, no. you couldn't do it
2: He's mad to think how would you find out your son's just scored for Manchester United oh, just saw it on the telly or how do you find out your son's in a coma oh it's yeah. in the papers the next day it's crazy to think that that's how well that's that, that's where it, it was not them days wasn't it Sam
3: you know as you say the, no media like social media the way it is now or yeah. mobiles or anything at all like that that's just how people found out
0: simple life though wasn't it back then mm. everything was a lot more simple when well, you like that. yeah um, yeah. but you did come back thankfully did you feel like you'd made a full recovery when you made I your... was
3: nowhere near it, Helen I always remember but the next season did you yeah.
0: you still felt like that
3: Tommy Dock, as I say was going through a lot of players at the time he was changing trying to get a team and a lot of players come from Scotland a lot of players from all over experienced players and things weren't really happening and um, it, it put me I'd start a game and I could never last a game because my breathing mm-hmm. wasn't right and I, I was nowhere near ready it took me well, it was five, four months from the accident to the May when I went to that youth tournament and then the next season took me another two to three months before I actually began to get sort of thinking that I'm turning it around. I always remember that uh, Bill Foxt was, I was under his wing to try to get me right. Bill used to go on a lot about weights and building strength up and everything. And he used to take me to this little place with a couple of other players and they had a sauna in it, so after you did a bit of work, you'd say, "Right, everyone in the sauna." Never been in a sauna before. This is my first time ever in a sauna, and I walked in this sauna, and because my lung and everything wasn't right, I couldn't breathe.
0: Because <laughs> it's the worst. place and I was thinking,
3: go get used to it's a bit hard. I, said, ah, ah, ah. I had to run out. I couldn't breathe, and he couldn't understand because my lung wasn't healed properly. I couldn't breathe in the sauna. Boiling, and I'm thinking, no, Bill, no, not for me.
0: What
2: uh, a relaxing place to not be able to breathe. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, and all the Someone lads are laughing me their out heads as off. It is, it
0: is, never mind, with half a lung or a punctured lung.
3: Punctured lung, and they're laughing their heads off the lads <laughs> at the state of me trying to breathe <laughs> in this song. And Bill's looking at me as if to say, you soft, so the... I couldn't even
0: talk, get out. <laughs>
1: well, that's the way it was.
0: What was the standard of training like in those days? with those players Did, um, was that the pinnacle of you've ever experienced of training in terms of the standard
3: well as I say we you know, we, we used to mix with the first team if you were doing well the, you'd throw you in with the first team and play always finished up with a five a side mm. and them days always finished up with a five a side used to get you fit don't get me wrong we used to the pre-season was hard we used to run around Heaton Park and um, long distance running short running you know Get fit. Nothing like today, Helen. No way the way it's monitored today. Nothing like. And then we'd finish up with five-a-sides and stuff like that. But it was great for me and the young ones to play five-a-sides with the mm-hmm. great best law, charting, you know, all them, all them senior players. It was fantastic to mm-hmm. play in. And, um, you know, they wouldn't hang about. I mean, Bobby. Bobby, was, Bobby could moan for England if things weren't going right on a five-a-side. And that used to make you like, oof. He stray pass, or you didn't give him the ball, or whatever. You, you up your head off. <laughs> well, all part of learning. Yeah, and um, that's the way Bobby was. You know, you, you think he's meek and male but he he, he loved the moan.
2: We never, <laughs> you never really hear or see that side of. Well, certainly, I, I guess people my age or younger, you'd never see that side of Bobby Charlton. No, no, because he's no, such he, a, he's such a, seems like such a dignified statesman but, for the club oh, that you can't think of him as that.
3: He'll tell you, Maisie, your character changes once you're on the field, doesn't oh, yeah. it? Mm changes completely and, and as I say Bobby, Bobby was a fantastic world class player but he moaned for England <laughs> moaned moaned it didn't care who, what age you were whatever if if you give a straight pass or you didn't give him it or whatever oh he let you know
1: that's what I'm keen were Keeney, you a moaner
2: no one's surprised though when Someone? you say about it as no, well, were you a
0: moaner you what kind of character were you in the changing
3: I'd room led back in a way yeah yeah I wasn't everyone has a moan now and then don't they but I wasn't what you call a consistent moaner we had a lot in that squad that, uh, who did it. Martin Bucken liked to moan, you know, and uh, fantastic player, but he even let you know. He would moan. I remember once you give Gordon Hill a kick up the backside on the pitch at Old Trafford Kicked him up the backside, or was it a clout round the head? One of them.
4: <laughs> Bit of a Because
3: um, <laughs> Hilley lost the ball in his own half and they nearly scored. So as we are all running up, Martin runs up behind him and goes, bump, don't do that again. Hell, he's looking at 56,000 people <laughs> at Old Trapper going, what's going on? <laughs> so I was forgotten though afterwards, you know. Yeah. But he did cloud him. He did cloud him round because cool. he was messing about in his own half and then nearly scored. Martin come up and bump. That's brilliant. Are
0: you getting done yeah. for assault these days? <laughs> oh,
3: gee, you couldn't do that, man. God. Unbelievable. <laughs> get sent off. Yeah. Well, that's right. But things were different in them days. Yeah. Who was you close to? Uh, the lads? Yeah. Well, as I say, uh, Jimmy Nichol... Obviously, um, uh, Brian Greenough. I was I was very close to Brian. God rest his soul. Little David McCreary, Arthur. We were all we were all pals. We all used to go out together and and, and stuff like Where that. Where
1: would you go out? Just out in town and just not really Manchester. You know, no, we used to
3: go. We used to go around Stratford. There used to be a, a club in Stratford called Sands, and we used to go round there, especially the weekend stuff like that. Did you, did you used to get mobbed and all that, or would it be? You would you would get you you'd have people coming up to you and, and um you know can have an autograph or whatever in a pub and stuff like that that want to talk about the game yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But obviously, in them days, we we, we had a good social life, mm-hmm. not like the players these days. Yeah. Well, what about yourself? Did you have were you all right socially and when you were yeah. winning things and stuff like yeah.
1: that? Yeah, I, I didn't really go into Manchester. I just stayed in my local pub and yeah. because I I grew up there sort of thing.
3: And you, everyone, knew everybody you. knew me. So, well, it wasn't, but that helps, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, but I mean, w- w- I wouldn't say it really spoiled your night or anything like that, but sometimes if people come Just up with a few drinks the in air, them, yeah. and sometimes it was a wee bit overbearing, mm-hmm. especially if you're with people. But it was okay. As I say, we had a bit of a social life, but nothing like what they've got now. They can't do, mm-hmm. they can't do anything. No.
0: What was the period of relegation like? What was it like going through that?
3: Um, well, for Man United, when we got relegated, I think we won the European Cup, was it five years? Five years between winning the European Cup and our first relegation, Mm -hmm. I think. Maybe wrong there, maybe a year out, but unbelievable. That just shows you really the decline Mm -hmm. from the European Cup success to the first relegation. Uh, But it's it's easy me saying, uh, that relegation actually made us because we bounced right back. And from there we had... I think three years of unbelievable playing football, you know, cup finals and going close to Liverpool and everyone liked the standard we played. But the the relegation hit everyone hard, Helen. I mean, no one could believe that Manchester United were going to be relegated ever in them days. But that happened. And as I say, we bounced back from it. And that squad that I played with from that relegation second division one season in the second division and then played was fantastic all the lads were great lads we all got on together played together well and um, really great spirit
2: did everybody always think this will be it'll just be one year we'll be straight back we'll be straight back no doubt about it we're not going to go and try to rebuild or replan and we're going to sort this out straight away I
3: don't think Sam it was like guaranteed I just think um, we didn't want to stay in the second division for longer than what you know, We, did, we wanted that, that first season in the second division, we wanted out of it as best we could. And we got off to a great start, and then we just went from strength to strength. But the thing that really helped us along, and honestly, was the support. Mm-hmm. Home and away was unbelievable. Pack grounds, fans locked outside, away games. The support they give us was unbelievable.
2: Did you ever consider your options with the club being relegated? Did you ever think, don't know if I want to go down the league?
3: Oh, no. I I mean, then for me, no, I I was Manchester United through and through from like 15 years of age. Mm -hmm. And um, I, uh, I mean, Tommy Duck, as I say, was sort of rebuilding and um, I could see things happening. Mm -hmm. And um, I I knew from the, the first five, six, seven games in that second division period that we were going to be close.
2: Yeah. And you played all 51 games of that season?
3: Yeah, it was great. It was a fantastic season. That's probably one of my most enjoyable seasons in the game was actually in the second division because of everything that was going around us. You know, um, fantastic. I always remember a game against Sunderland here, locked out. They were, we were one, they were two, locked out. They brought a load of supporters. They scored, sorry, we scored after a minute and they were 2-1 up. After five minutes. we <laughs> like Spurs the other day. Unbelievable. And then we finished up winning 3 2. Unbelievable. And it was, a night, it was in November or something like that. And it was pitch black. Pitch was rubbish. But we beat them 3 2. And that really sort of gave us belief that we could go on and, and win it, which we did. But it was a great, great season to play in. And I think that turned us the way we played 4 4 2 or 4 2 4, the way would you want to call it? Tommy Doc. The old United Way wingers, mm-hmm. Stevie Cappell, Gordon Hill, myself, Lou Jerry Jerry Daly, and Pancho up front, uh, Jimmy Greenoff, little Lou and all that there. It was a fantastic team to play in, mm-hmm. great team to play in.
1: We, we got back up that year and then yeah, we finished third. The year in yeah. the first division yeah, and got to the cup final. And then you got to the cup final, what was that like? Again, a great season. Back, back home in Belfast, was you always a? Or watch of the
3: I think cup finals. Oh, yeah, from a, from a kid, yeah, that yeah. was that was I couldn't wait to do a cup final because it was on from nine o'clock in the that's morning, it, yeah. to till the game, after the game, team hotels, the game, yeah. team hotels yeah. meeting the players. And I used to think, I want to be, be a player and play in a cup final, I, that's what I want to do because it was such brilliant. It's every you've done it, Maisie. If, if any footballer turns around and says, I'd, I'd rather win a league than play in a cup final. I think they're telling lies. Hmm. The play playing a cup final, especially it's going incredible. back years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. Was, was your main thing. It was fantastic. And for the supporters. Supporters loved it. Well, it's a horrible place to lose. Hmm.
2: We, uh, we've had some really interesting conversations with some of your teammates from that era about their experiences in those cup finals from 74 and uh, 77. Like um, Gordon Hill's dad, I think, went to the loss in 74. Six, but, 76. 76, yeah. But then didn't... Didn't turn up didn't turn up the following year.
3: Didn't go to the gate of the Sunday. Yeah, he didn't
2: go. And he doesn't and Gordon doesn't have his medal. Uh, and his ex-wife's got it. Yeah. And then um Arthur was telling us that he felt really awkward about starting a cup final. Oh,
3: because Stuart Houston broke his, yeah, broke he, his ankle. Yeah, and he said he felt
2: yeah. he felt like he shouldn't be there and he shouldn't and he didn't feel like he deserved the medal or or his involvement in that day. And
3: uh, I think Arthur actually wanted to give the medal to yeah, Stuart. That's what he told us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, because Stuart broke his uh ankle against Bristol City. Mm-hmm. I actually got sent off that night against Bristol City with Jerry Guy who was a little yeah. hammer Thor, and uh, he was kicking everyone that night and we finished up having a little, little boxing match but who <laughs> um, won then I'm thinking who won I stopped him in the second maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I'm thinking I'm going to miss a cup final because it was near the end of the season yeah of course Martin Edwards actually came down from the director's box and said he's seen everything that happened. Don't worry, we'll uh, sort something out. And what they did, Maisie, they rearranged the game with Stoke City before. So I missed that game to play in the cup final because I was heartbroken thinking I was mm-hmm. going to miss the cup final. That, that, that was it. Lucky, uh, mind you, unlucky. We got beat by Southampton. We were all John favourites. We, we, we were doing well in that league that year, playing great football, finished third, looking like there was a double on. At some stage, doing well in the Cup, well up there, and we lost to Southampton on the day, 1-0, unbelievable. I hit the underneath the bar as well before, at 0-0, which maybe I should have scored, but I've seen it late, underneath the bar, bounced down, and then Stokes scores the winner, Bobby Stokes. Two yards offside, but counted.
0: I think Arthur had said that playing in the FA Cup semi-finals were some of his... Most fondest games. What, what would your answer be to that question? What were the games you enjoyed playing in the most?
3: Semi finals are probably, I don't know what Maisie thinks, are the most nerve wracking games I've played in. And then three semi finals you know, Liverpool at Main Road, a draw, beat them at Goodison, unbelievable. Jimmy Green off goal. And then we played at Hillsborough twice, yeah. Leeds, and Big Gordon McQueen, who was playing for Leeds that day uh, against us. Called us a bunch of midgets in, 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 in the tunnel. <laughs> what? You know, to be fair, but he's six foot can five. Do that, can't <laughs> he's six foot five, whatever. Called us a bunch of midgets. Come on, lads, we can beat these midgets as we were going out. And as we were going out, I'll never, ever, ever forget this at Hillsborough in Yorkshire, it was red everywhere. And Leeds had a bit at the back, that big bit at the back behind the goal. And we had. Man United supporters right around the ground and that gave us such a lift. But the semi-finals, Helen, I agree with you, Arthur, they're, they're nerve-wracking, but as I say, we won them three semi-finals mm-hmm. that we were in. Okay, we lost two at Wembley in the final and won one, but uh, the semi-finals are, are definitely nerve, nerve-wracking because mm-hmm. you're so close, so aren't close, you? Yeah. You're so yeah. close, you want to be there, but to, to be beating the semi-final, I've only won, lost one semi-final, and that was the League Cup to Norwich in our day in the 70s. What's your take, what's your take on the... Um Semi-finals at Wembley now. I don't. I don't agree. No. I don't agree. I don't think it's right because your main thing is is getting to Wembley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get the Wembley. That's your pinnacle. That's for, your for, pinnacle. for any
1: club player.
3: Absolutely. Take your internationals away. Why? Is that? Well, of course, it's for money, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. To, to to buy Wembley or whatever what you want to call it, but you're right, Maisie. Yeah. Cups get to the semi-final, play wherever, and get the Wembley to play the final. Because that's I think that would that would add
1: more to the heartache of actually losing a semi-final in them days because you're not getting
2: to yeah. Correct.
3: Yeah. 100% with it yeah, yeah definitely
2: I think uh, people that listen to these podcasts like to know you know, where we're doing it and picking up the atmosphere and stuff and I think people will be interested to know that I've just seen David May's phone ringing and it was Ben was Thornley it? and the picture on your phone when Ben <laughs> rings you is of I assume Ben yeah. uh, passed out naked face down yeah
3: yeah that's part of the course huh? yeah where was, uh, where's that photo
1: from so that photograph yeah. is um, from... So I, I I introduced Ben to this drink, this, this vodka drink. It was like a vodka, strawberry vodka or something like that. I said, you've got to try it. It's so nice. So he goes out and buys this bottle. Mm-hmm. Anyway, his girlfriend, Les, actually takes a photo of him because he absolutely passed out going to the loo. And that was him, butt <laughs> naked.
4: I love my... <laughs>
2: There you go. Excellent. So, really lowered the tone there, yeah. Sam, didn't well, It's his phone, not mine. Although I've got, I've got a picture on my phone of Ben in, in just his pants from our train ride, which yeah. is...
1: Well, you know what it's like. Of course you do. Yeah. You it know gets, what it's
2: like. He it gets clothes off any minute Four in the day. days
1: to Kazakhstan in, on a train.
2: Yeah. Perfect. do <laughs> not stop him. Yeah. Um, let's get back to it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, what's it like to play in an FA Cup final and win an FA Cup final with the team that you've always supported?
3: Oh, fantastic. One of the best feelings in football is actually to be in a cup final... Preparation, you go away in a hotel, press, you're in the papers every day, you're looking forward to the game. Fantastic when you win. You know, it's, uh, as I said, it's a schoolboy dream mm-hmm. for anyone to play in a cup final. And I'm lucky enough to play in three, even though I've lost two, but the build up's fantastic.
2: Best what, feeling ever. What's the involvement for you in that build up? Like the, the travel down to London and. Travel
3: down to London from maybe a Wednesday, we used to go for the Saturday game, we'd stay in hotels. Croydon Selston Park I think we stayed a couple of times and then another one And I think we stayed in the centre somewhere Russell or, or, I may be wrong but yeah all that there going down the media there brilliant yeah
1: it is every day did you have a cup song you would have done you'd have had a cup song as well wouldn't you
3: I remember we did an LP once Maisie um, <laughs> in Strawberry Studios in Stockport Martin Bucker was in charge of that and it was an
2: absolute disaster what's an disaster. LP
0: Sammy just for the younger listeners
2: it's what it stands for. It's like a single. Ten CC, Ten CC
3: made their big hits there. Ten CC and well, Manchester United. It, <laughs> yeah, but uh, we did a we did an LP and it was so so funny. All you could hear was a and that was a yeah, 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 down. Yeah, yeah. opening the, <laughs> openings of, tins of Lager. That was the the background music. <laughs> <laughs> that was good.
0: Sorry, Sam. No, I forgot you were still asking
2: a, a question. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to ask what it's like when, when I suppose you're waiting and you've got, I guess, you've got changed into your kit and you're sat there and you're thinking, this is it now, the FA Cup yeah. final. Does it feel different to a normal game? Oh, 100%.
3: 100%. You know you're at Wembley in the couple... Of, but going back, Sam, to them days, mm-hmm. it's not the way the Wembley is now where you come out in the middle of the park. You mm-hmm. had this big, long walk from the tunnel, which was fantastic. You're in the tunnel, two teams... You're looking at one another, you've got the managers in the front of you. And once they give you that nod to walk out of Wembley, oh my God, it's fantastic. Once you hit the top of the tunnel and you hear the noise, it's unbelievable. You never ever ever had a feeling like it in your life. Walking out in that old Wembley. Fantastic.
1: Looking back at old old videos now of United doing it and Yeah. Um, cup Finals, Robber walking out yeah. against Everton, walking out against Newcastle, against Liverpool, mm. walking up that tunnel. Mm. The
3: anticipation
1: it's hmm. is incredible. Yeah, it, it is, is incredible.
3: It just—it's so hard to uh, to describe how you actually feel. Okay, you're nervous because it's before a game, a cup final, but the excitement in you as well. Yeah. When you walk out, but but when you, once you hit that top of that tunnel, and you hear the roar, unreal.
1: Yeah, I see the flags and everything. The flags, supporters
3: yeah. shouting, screaming. Obviously, both ends are where your support, you know, whatever support mm. is. And every time United were at Wembley in the 70s, it was just completely full of red mm-hmm.
2: unbelievable. Does that feeling change once the game starts and then it just becomes a game of football? Or all the way through it, are you aware this is the FA Cup final? Oh,
3: a, you know, you're in a cup final. Actually, the first one we lost, 76, was, was probably the quickest ever game I've ever played in in my life. It flew by because uh, we were odds-on favourites in Southampton. had a very experienced team. And they handled the day better than what we did. All the press were saying. I think we were one to six on to beat Southampton that day, and they beat us one nil. But I just can remember game kicking off, some certain incidents, and then them going up and getting the cup, mm-hmm. and we were absolutely dejected. That just went like that. But then luckily we went back in '77. Never <laughs> forget. We got this bus back from the station to the town centre. Thousands of United fans there when we lost to Southampton and we had this bloody cardboard cutting off an FA Cup to show the fans, which was embarrassing. It? <laughs> and then there's, I think, Mark and Bucken looked it <laughs> off the, the bus. Bob well, Tommy Doherty made that statement. You're the great, greatest fans in the world. We will be back in 77 next year and win that Cup. And it happened. Even though he said it in tongue-in-cheek, yeah. Yeah. it happened. To beat Liverpool as well made it even sweeter.
2: Yeah. And then you got to go up the steps at Wembley. The
3: steps at Wembley, yeah. yeah. I guess that's, yeah.
2: Another, that's another fun part of the experience. What was that like?
3: Oh, well, I mean, the old Wembley, they, you know, it's uh, they get up there. Obviously, you get up and you meet, you meet the royalty and, and you get that cup. Once you get that cup and you show it to the fans, it's brilliant. You know, it's uh, why you're there. Mm-hmm. What you've dreamt of for you to actually hold on to that FA Cup in front of 100,000 people, Brilliant.
0: What was the change in management like between Tommy Dock and Dave Sexton?
3: Yeah, Tommy Dock, as I say, had it. We, we were buzzing under Tommy Dock and Dave came in. Dave was totally different than Tommy. Tommy was in the papers every night. Mm-hmm. Dave didn't like talking to the papers. Dave was a little bit more, and this is no disrespect to the Dock, he was more structured. Mm-hmm. He tried to make us a little bit more structured as a team, yeah. where we under the Dock, everyone attacked, everyone defended exciting. Mm-hmm. Dave just tried the twiggers a little bit and um, the training was a wee bit different. Some players couldn't really enjoy it. But Dave was a lovely man, don't get me wrong. I mean, took us to second in the league and got us to the 79 Cup final. Lovely man. Bought us all a watch uh, when we got to Wembley. Lovely, lovely man. Football man. Total football man. Mm-hmm. FA man. But as I say, different there's a big change from the doc and Dave mm-hmm. in everything from training to playing. Did you like that? Um, I just, I, I love playing, it. but it, I could see the change. difference, the change. Yeah. I could see the change and I could see the training side of things changed. And I think it affected Tommy Cavana, who was assistant to the doc. He could, we could see he wasn't really, I think, 100% with the way Dave tried to yeah, yeah. get us to play. But Dave was the manager, and uh, as I said, was I, I enjoyed Dave. But obviously, big change in the dock, mm-hmm. massive.
0: you had quite big personalities for managers, didn't you? Through your time here,
3: all all, all people in their own right. I mean, yeah. big Ron. God, big Ron. There, there. He had a
0: much bigger personality than big oh Ron. Oh my
3: God, he had uh, he, he burst in like somebody from Burton's. You know, with the gear, the suits, the the, the hmm. gold, the gold everywhere, and uh, flamboyant. Um, football man, L- love football, love playing. Obviously, at that time when he came in, I think he, other managers had turned it down, and I, I think we asked a few other managers before Big Ron got it. But but when we played West Brom, major, we could never beat them under mm. the Big Ron. Mm. You know they they used to beat us here. I remember a game here, five three, Cunningham, Rabo, Regis they they, they seemed to do us and the Hawthorns as well. They beat us in the Cup 3-2 when we had won it the year before they knocked us out. So Big Ron, as I, as I say, came and um, flamboyant. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. But he was a manager at, uh, that sold me. You know, so... Um,
0: Did you have a feeling that was coming?
3: I had a feeling it, it, it was coming when, when Rabo signed and Remy Moses signed. Mm-hmm. The club at the time weren't if somebody w- was brought in and them Desmezy, we had the someone out, someone out. Yeah. You know, there was Ray Wilkins, myself. we mentioned because Rabbo was coming to me, and Rabbo are totally different players. Rabo's was a unbelievable player, fantastic servant, great. Remy was a hard working little good player as well, but I I could play sort of like different positions, you know. And so Rabbo didn't come. A lot of people think Rabbo came to replace me, which is which is rubbish. But uh, Rabo came for 1.0 million. Remy came for 500,000. So there was Ray, myself, that maybe could get money in or whatever. Little Mickey T went as well. What was that like? Cause you know you made 400, I think it's 419 appearances. And, and I was club. here 13 years. 13 years. And when he called me in, he called me in. Did you know when he called you in? I knew when there was got, something happening. 20 past four, I get this phone call to come to the cliff, and I'm thinking, aye, aye. So anyway, I drive to the cliff, go up the stairs to his office, come in kid, that's what he used to call everyone, kid. So I walk in this office, boom, this heat hit me like you would never seen it, just walked off his sunbed, he had a big sunbed in the, in his, in the office <laughs> big run. and he sat there with his red United dressing gown on, gold toothpick, whatever. <laughs> toothpick Sit down That's
2: Absolutely insane
3: Sit down kid Do you
0: mean a gold chain With a tooth on the end? Yeah Or do you toothpick. mean an actual Gold toothpick for your teeth?
3: Yeah, yeah I just said that Helen Didn't I? Gold toothpick
0: yeah, but You went like that And I was like Big the chain th-
3: Big gold chain Big chain with a
1: toothpick on the end with a toothpick on the end Or a tooth
0: No a t- Why would he have a, a tooth gold, On a chain? A gold Loads of people have those like You're yeah. in a restaurant yeah. So he kept his toothpick On his chain
3: it's not very hygienic, is it? And you
0: yeah. See these t- yeah. yeah.
3: Yes, a toothpick. But he just had a goat one? one. He had a goat one
0: on his Is that what people had in those days, Sammy? The
3: big Ron did. <laughs> did many people wear dressing gowns? Well, you know, United, <laughs> yeah. the red dressing gown, yeah. the, the crest and everything. Big Ron, sit down, kid. And the first thing he said to me was, how much are you worth? I think I don't know what you mean, boss, what do you mean? Well, in the transfer for, uh, market today, how much do you think you're worth? I said nothing because I came from a schoolboy. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So I haven't got a price. Ah, don't be silly, kid. Come on. Anyway, I've had an offer of three hundred seventy-five thousand from Stoke. What do you think? <laughs> I won't. I can't say it on TV. No, what no. I said. What did you say? Um, we'll beep that out. I says, listen, no. Nah. I got up, and I went because my pride was absolutely, I was on my knees mm-hmm. because, as you touched on I was here 13 years. I worked under so many managers and he's the first one that said to me, I've sort of accepted a bid mm. yeah. of 375,000. But then when, as I'm up leaving, I leave it up to you. But by then, in my head thinking, he wants me out.
1: How long did you have left in contract then?
3: I think in a year, maybe right. another year.
1: So you had the rest of the season and the year. I think of the yeah. year, yeah. So, uh, uh,
2: but just uh, were you aware because that that fee was a British record, wasn't it? For Stoke
3: City, it was a record fee, hundred seventy five thousand, whatever. Yeah. Blah, blah blah blah. But I didn't even think of that. That's what I, I just wondered no. if
2: you were thinking in your head even immediately. No, I That's, yeah, okay, cool. I was so heart broke.
3: I was I was heart broke and I went I went I went to my father, in College Street, Stratford, and I'll never forget this. He's sitting in there, and I told him what had happened, and he said, "Son." Leave it, leave it, you'll be okay. Robbo's here, Remy Mose, or whatever, you'll be all right, don't worry about it. But he didn't understand that I was so heartbroken, hurt that this man had said to me, Listen, you're surplus, but I'll leave that to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're surplus, but I'll leave it to you. And I'm thinking, nah. Anyway, I went home, uh, I had a chat with a personal friend of mine who w- was involved in what I was doing, not an agent or anything like got yeah. just a personal friend. And he said, Listen, blah, blah, blah you might be able to get yourself some. And I said, no, listen, money's not even anything. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm thinking of Manchester United
4: mm-hmm.
3: and, and Stoke City. No disrespect to Stoke City, but... How old, is you? How old is you, Sam? 27. Just 27. So you're into your peak. Exactly. And I wasn't even thinking about that, no. much. I was so hurt yeah, and so... No, but if you was like gotcha. 31, 32, 33... Oh, uh, no problem. Fair enough. Hold my hands. Yeah. Thank you. Great yeah. time here. All the best. But 27... And I'm thinking, I'm still right. I'm still feeling good and everything, and everything's right. I knew, in a way, with Rabbo coming for the fee and Remy coming for the fee, nearly two million. Something had to mm-hmm. give. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mickey went, Jimmy Nick went, and then it's me or Ray, whatever. And uh, I just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I was so, so down. I just went, right, Richie Barker came to my house who was manager of Stoke. And in the days, I just went, right, done, done. My dad went daft in a way. He just said, son, you've made the biggest mistake of your life. Dad, I said, you don't understand how I'm feeling. Because back of back. what? He, he, he thought I, could, I would be all right. You'd be able to get yourself back in the side yeah. in another position or whatever. You've made the wrong decision. It's too hasty. You should have slapped on you it. Think, you do, have do you think,
1: looking back, it was hasty? I made the wrong
3: decision. Yeah. And again, that's no disrespect for, from Stoke. They looked after me oh, tremendous. No, yeah. I made the wrong decision. I went. I threw my dummy out. If you want, I'm gone. Well,
2: you weren't and treated very well, were you? To be fair, he did it wrong. Yeah.
3: I mean, I'm going to tell you a story here. I'm going to put him on the spot. We're playing in the a Legends game. Mm-hmm. I think we're in Bristol. Um, Big Ron's opened the. I remember it. Yeah. Big Ron's opened the thing. Anyway, that night we're having a few drinks around the table. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, me and the lads, and talking to Maisie, and I'm talking about exactly what I'm talking about now. Big Ron's right over the other side of the room and I'm talking the way I'm talking. What does my mate say here? Hey, Ron, get over here <laughs> and tell me what you've done.
0: So cool you. you've ruined <laughs> this guy's life.
3: <laughs> so Big Ron comes over, sits down and he starts going, wait, is this right? Blah, 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 blah. And i was thinking, oh my God.
0: <laughs> Maisie, do you remember this? Yeah? Where do I
3: go? <laughs> Where do I go from here?
0: How long ago is this?
1: Oh, That's about three or four years yeah, ago. About, yeah, I had Sammy's back.
0: Yeah. I, don't like, I don't
1: like my teammate no. having <laughs> disrespected. i no. like to know what Big Runner had to say about it. And he
3: asked him, he brought well, him what
0: over.
3: what did he say? I, I, I think he ducked and died, didn't yeah. he? Well, and uh, you know, that, that's, just, that's, uh, that's just what was happening. And I, because it never happened to me before, my pride was absolutely mm-hmm. on the floor. Mm. And um, I finished up at Stoke, and um, that was that. But don't get me wrong, I'm being big, wrong. We're all right now. There was for a few years there where I didn't, I wouldn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to see him. I was hurt. But now we're fine. We're fine. You know. I like that no you're problem.
0: honest about that because we talk to so many people who just say the time was right just to move on, but that's not how they really feel majority well, what's of the point people to say who who that, come yeah, here, corpus, well,
3: What's yeah. the point to saying that, Helen? I was absolutely Everybody's devastated. Everybody's pride is
0: going to be hurt, isn't it? Coming through the academy, playing that many games and then somebody comes in and says, no, it's your time to move aside. It's amazing yeah. that
1: one, one man can change your life. Which happened. Which happened,
3: yeah. Which, yeah. which happened and... Um, Maybe he doesn't fancy her, which is fair enough. That's but, fair comment. But, but, but the way he did it,
1: yeah,
3: he's wrong. And then, and then afterwards, now when we get together at times, and little Arthur was with me this this where I had to do somewhere, and Ron was guest speaker. And then we get we sit down after he, he does his bit, and we're talking, and, and and me and Arthur are there, and Big Ron says to me, "You shouldn't have left. You you could have done, you uh, could have done a job for me." Uh, uh, cheers, big man.
0: The good news is, after your Manchester United career, which you were really hurt, you probably felt like you know it's all downhill. You had incredible success in 1982 for Northern Ireland. Yeah, that was. Did that give you a lift? Uh,
3: that gave me a lift. Obviously qualifying for the World Cup in '82. That was mm-hmm. that was a big lift, you know. Um, going to Spain with the boys, um, little Northern Ireland. Go to Spain with the boys. That's yeah. classic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's just like a, like a, a lads trip. Oh, but it, but it, it, was, it, it nearly was. turned out to be a lads trip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we uh, we had a fantastic squad togetherness. Hmm. Forget religion, Protestant, Catholic, whatever. Mixture there, got on great together, having a sing song w- when we won a game and when we lost the game. Um, 82, 82 was absolutely fantastic. And there's a, there's a fantastic story in 82. Big Whiteside was drafted into the squad as a 17 year old. Um, had a few games earlier at, at United as a young lad. Anyway, we got him in the squad in 1982. And we're in. He, he played for us in Spain. And I always remember Bingham. We're going to the first game. We're playing Yugoslavia, the first game. And I'm getting on the bus. Big Norman's got on in front of me. And Bingham pulls me back and says, is he nervous? How do you think he's going to do? I said, Billy, you're more nervous than he is. Don't worry about him, which was true. Game's five minutes old against Yugoslavia. He's put two Yugoslavias on their backside (laughs) in, in, in five minutes. I said, don't worry about him. So anyway, as you know, we get to Spain. At the last game we're playing Spain. Everyone's thinking we're out. We're going home the next day. Yeah, I think even, the Irish FFA, booked, even the Irish FA had booked the flights. We're going home.
2: <laughs> That's outrageous.
3: Seriously, the itinerary was: we play three games, play yeah. Spain. Next day, we're flying home. You imagine, That's the you itinerary. Getting your itinerary in your room.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we're three going.
3: o'clock. We'll be yeah. boarding in the flight. <laughs> Hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. Unbelievable. We play Spain and we beat Spain 1-0. Spain weren't like the team we are of the day, but they, were, they had some good players. Anyway, we turned them over in Valencia. So we, we go back to our hotel. We, we, we fly back to Valencia, uh, the hotel. Had to book, a new hotel. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they must have been furious. <laughs> yeah. What are you not doing back? So they have to book. <laughs> we're going to Madrid then. So the IFA have to book us in another hotel in, in Madrid. But that night, we're around a big table as we always were. Eating a few bottles of beer. We're all singing, Big Jerry, love the sing song, Love the starting off, fantastic, great atmosphere. Jerry scored the winner, didn't he? Against Spain, was it? Jerry scored it. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so all of a sudden we're on this table. Say that's a battle of beer, Sam, right? Mm-hmm. Next thing, these people are coming over. Battle of beer, battle of beer, battle of beer. I don't even know who they are. Honestly, don't know who they are. So empty bottles as well and whatever. So next day we get up and we see the Spanish sports paper, the back of it, in Spanish, obviously, but I'll say it in English, Spain beat by team of drunkards. Wow. <laughs> they set it all up. The press had set it all up that we were just booze and booze and booze, and they were putting more bottles on than what we drank. So anyway, I've got this paper, and I show it Big Norman. Here are, big man. Have a look at this. So Big Norman takes the paper, eyes ah, are a little bit dodgy from the night before. Mm-hmm. He says, bloody hell, Sammy, I mean, we drank more than that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's the truth.
3: He looks at the paper, and he oh, as you can see, is a table full of bottles, nothing else. And he says, bloody hell, we drank more than that. And he
0: was underage.
3: He was 17. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, was, that's quality. That is absolutely true, <laughs> unbelievable, and uh, that, that's that's what they tried to make us out—that mm-hmm. the national team, their national team yeah. was beat by a bunch of drunkards.
0: So that obviously was a big high in your career. Getting to the quarter the final, of yeah. Leaving Manchester United, but you probably thought United was is still gonna-
3: United was still in, in the background, obviously because it was so close. Eighty-two when I left, and eighty-two in the summer in the World Cup. And big Ron actually was a. A pundit with us. He he was travelling with us. He was our pundit.
4: Oh, no way. Couldn't get
3: away. Couldn't get away from him. Uh, every time I looked at him I wanted to throw a diary, but anyway. <laughs> uh he was a pundit with us and them and, and days. So uh yeah, we go we go to Madrid and we play France. Oh sorry, we played Austria. It was a it was a three Austria, France and us and uh, to, to to continue. We drew two two with Austria. Two 0 up, we should have really Seen it out, but we didn't, and we played this fantastic France team Platini and Russia, too, and Jaress. And they done us four, four nil. And uh, we went home, you know, after eventually. the, the quarter final, we <laughs> went home eventually. But fantastic experience, one of the best ever to uh, what for us. What was
1: homecoming like? Sorry, did you have
3: homecoming? Unbelievable, yeah. Belfast City Hall was absolutely packed, the streets were packed, we're on an open top bus, and the fans were very brilliant. Mm-hmm brilliant Uh, 82 coming down the centre of Belfast to go into the town hall great experience they loved it imagine if you
0: had have had George Best there
3: oh my god well you never know Helen but again that was Bingy's decision
0: hindsight's a wonderful thing hindsight's a wonderful
3: thing and actually the player who I told you about Bobby Campbell never stripped for one game never had a touch of football and all Mm. the six weeks were away Mm. never so there you go you had a kitty as well, didn't you?
2: Oh, we had a kitty. Uh,
3: well, they, uh, uh, we had a kitty
2: a cat for those that... No, Maybe people no, thinking, oh, they had a lucky cat. Oh, little kitty, so um, we had a kitty,
3: uh, the, the players. Everything, if I was doing something for a paper interview yeah. or something, went into the kitty. Every player, we all agreed, would all put the money and um, share it out. And then, I don't know, it might have been big Pat, maybe it was, big, could have been experienced manager. Why don't we ask the manager, Billy, to be with us? And... Um, divvy it all up. Divvy it all up at the end of the tournament. So we, we had a meeting, Billy. Billy, what do you think of this? No. Took him two seconds to answer. No, I'm on my own. If I can remember, we come out, I think, with about 3,000 a man at the end of it. Maybe me even that much. And I think Billy got fifty grand. <laughs> um, wow. But Billy, Billy was unbelievable. Fair play to him. He had a little blue bag. He had a little blue bag he used to carry around with him every training session. A little blue bag. And he would talk. Say a Brazilian TV come up and said, I want to speak to Norman Whiteside. I would have to go through Billy. And what Billy would do off them Brazilians, thank you, little blue bag, stick something in there. <laughs> We, 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 we found that out later on. Did you uh, ever
0: follow that through in your managerial career, Sammy? No. <laughs> Carry your little blue bag. <laughs> you can tell yep, the truth now. I was, I was straight
3: straightforward <laughs> down the line. Yeah. I, never, I never had a wee blue bag. But that's, a Billy, that's how Billy got his 50, 60 grand, I
4: think.
0: <laughs> Obviously, there was four years in between the two World Cups. But whilst we're on the subject, 1986, you go then and captain your country. Um, but obviously a tournament with lots of mixed emotions for you, for anybody who doesn't know the story. Uh, um, you obviously thought that you were leaving and your dad was very ill, but tell us what actually happened. Oh,
3: that, that, was, that was horrendous. I mean, I remember the night before we went, we were going, we were travelling to Guadalajara, New Mexico, and I went to see my mum and dad before I went the night, before I was going the next day. And at that time, my dad was dying of throat mm-hmm. cancer. Um. So I went to see him and everything was all right. So I'm looking forward to watching the games and all this here. So we go to Guadalajara, uh, sorry, New Mexico, Albuquerque, sorry matey, Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's where we were training, 6,000 feet above sea level where they make all the westerns and stuff like that, you know. So we went up there to train. We're in training about five days, six days. Um, I'm coming off the bus after training to go into the hotel Billy Bingham pulls me, come to my room. Before you have a shower, please, I want to talk to you. I'm thinking, okay, Billy, is there a problem? No, 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 I just want to talk to you. So go to his room. First words out of his mouth, he says to me, who's your best friend? And I'm thinking, in in the squad or whatever, Big Norman, Jimmy Nick, whatever, what are you talking about? No, 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 in life. I said, I don't know what you mean, Billy. Your mother's just passed away. That's how he told me. My mother, I said, you're joking. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Very upset, obviously. I was thinking my dad, because yeah. whatever. So um, he said, listen, take it all in, go back, uh, stay around a day or two before you go home. I said, no, I'm going home tomorrow if I can. So I went to the Irish FA officials and they said, Dad, 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 dad found out, can you get me back? So the next day I flew home for my mother's funeral um, I had to stay a couple of days obviously for to get everything my mum's funeral and everything and um I had arrangements to fly back and I seen my dad and I said listen he, obviously you can imagine how he was he knew mm. he was dying and whatever and uh, I said listen dad I'm, I'll, I'll stay, I'll stay, I'll stay with you no, 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 no get yourself back there so he, he made me go back because I had no really intention of going back even though I was a captain and. It was a World Cup, whatever, it was, but my mother had gone, who was my best friend and everything. And um, my dad said, get back. So I had to go back. And um, that was that was unbelievable in a way. Mm. But it kept him going because he was he was on his way, he was, he was going. But the actual, what the doctors were saying to me was, it'll keep him going, mm. Mm. which it did for an extra three to four weeks. And um, I lost the two of them in three months. But that... Extra bit that he got, me being captain, me getting made MBE as well. He he found that out before he passed away, which mm. was great. Mm. So that was at 86. But football terms, we were in with Brazil, we were in with Spain again and Algeria. Mm. Brazil, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Um Caraca, Socrates, Is Zico. <laughs> Uh, we, we did well. We only lost 3-0, but they just played walking football against us. They were unbelievable.
2: It must have been so difficult to, to balance those emotions in, in a tournament like that with that many people watching you. And, I mean, I can't imagine having to have all of that happen in such a small amount of time and, and trying to cope with it in front of thousands of people shouting at you.
3: Yeah, it was a very emotional, Sam. I mean, I, as I say, I had, I had my moments where I had to sort of like disappear and stuff like that on my own. I remember the first game we played against Algeria. Um, that was a bit physical, and one of the Algerians spat on my face. Out of the referee's view, but when he spat on my face, I actually just kicked him back. I got booked. These days, I would have been sent off. But mm. I, I even showed the referee. Didn't even go near him. And, uh, you know, so the emotions were running a, a little bit high, but... Uh, the, the, the funny side of that, when I say funny side of it, Billy Bingham said to me, as captain, I want to take you to watch Brazil v Spain so we can have a little view of ourselves what we think how Brazil are going to play. So I go to, I go to the, we go to the Guadalajara Stadium where we were playing and we're watching Brazil v Spain and um, Socrates, 1-0, penalty kick, one step back, bump, top corner playing unbelievable football so in the car taxi coming back I'm going to have a meeting Bingham says with the lads what do you think today I was just about to say "Jesus, Billy they were unbelievable he puts his hand across my mouth and says don't you say that to the players
4: (laughs) as 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 if they didn't know
3: (laughs) we have got a chance you tell them we have got a chance they're aging they can't get about the pitch right okay boss no problem Oh dear.
1: Did the lads watch the game at home? At the hotel? Well, they probably didn't. They.
3: <laughs> so I, I walk in and I, I go up to the <laughs> start and I see a few of the lads. What was it like? We're having a meeting in half an hour. So listen to the boss. Tell me, what was it like? <laughs> so I'm saying, well, you can understand Socrates, Zico, Caraca. They're not bad. That's all I said. Anyway, Billy's team talk and Billy's meeting was, we can do this. We can do that. <laughs> We're playing 6,000 above Lake Sea level. We've got little bags of water all around the pitch. We're absolutely, can hardly breathe, and they're strolling. Uh, as I say, 3-0. But Billy's, Billy's uh, preparation was get into Socrates, get into Carreca. We couldn't even get near them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way, we, don't be scared of them, don't be frightened. <laughs> oh, Billy, Billy, but that, that's the way it was, you know. So we get that was our last game. We could beat 3-0 and the next day we're home. But it was a great experience. Mm. They play against such fantastic Did players. Did swap shirts? Good story, Maisie. Brazil were very, very cute. They wouldn't do it on the pitch. So they said, in the, in the dressing room, we'll swap. So this Brazilian trainer comes in, loads of Brazilian shirts. So he, the Brazilian trainer comes around, I give him mine, number 10. Right, pick this one. There was about six number threes. <laughs> <laughs> he done his yeah. he done his six number threes I, I got a number three uh, some of the lads got like a Zico or Caraka or whatever but I, I was unfortunate I picked a number three that really kept that day <laughs> what I got
0: are you a memorabilia person because you've mentioned a couple of times about I, the things you've kept yeah I,
3: I, I, I kept a lot of stuff from early days internationals when it used to be the home championships mm-hmm. I kept a load of shirts England, Scotland, oh. Wales uh, international shirts and stuff like that medals medals yeah. You still all of them now? No, no, no. No, no I actually of with my medal, sold my medals. Um and uh, my memorabilia. It, it's in a big storage down in Birmingham. Right, okay. My shirts.
0: Mm-hmm. No memorabilia from Man City though, was there?
3: Not at all. I got booed in the warm up there <laughs> as a player.
2: Uh, you mentioned the home championships. You were you were part of the, the team that won the very last, last one. Last one. Yeah. What was yeah. that like?
3: Oh I mean them days you were away for 10 days, mm-hmm. England, Scotland, Wales. And it was great. The only thing it was, it was at the end of the season and you used to have to get the, the three games in in 10 days. But it was great. Great to be with the lads. You know, we used to have good times and stuff like that. You know, we used to have a good get-together after games and preparation was good and afterwards. And to win it, um, the, the last time, uh, 80, 81, was it, Sam? 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 84, I think. 80, oh, yeah, I think 84. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, I think we won it as well in 80, 81. Mm-hmm. But it would be the last team to win it, especially for Northern Ireland. You know, we were always like wooden spooners in, in, in the early days.
2: Were you uh, Were you sad it got sort of abandoned?
3: I was because, as I said, it was great to get, to get mm-hmm. back with the lads and have good times, you know, especially in the 80s where we were doing quite well. From 1980 to 1986, we were doing really well mm-hmm. uh, as a group of players. But I think England, especially England, they didn't want it. Well, I, I, Scotland, that was a big game, obviously. Yeah. Mm. But they didn't, they didn't want it anymore.
2: The thing I've all sort of heard is that the FA said, well, we're not going to bother with this because we'll always just win it. So there's no point. Well, that, that, that was I the thing, s- because
3: England, they used to win it most of the times anyway. It seems
2: like a proper English arrogant approach yeah. to well, a, it probably a tournament, was. doesn't it? It
3: probably was with the FA. And um, it's, maybe wasn't a lot of money as well, mm-hmm. being, being, you know, for the winners and stuff. But the big game, what they used to do for was England and Scotland. Whether it was in Hamden or Wembley, mm-hmm. the other ones we were just like also mm-hmm. runs, you know. But that was that.
0: I briefly uh, mentioned Man City there, but there's so much more to talk about. So we'll just forget that ever happened, shall we, Sammy? I have. <laughs> <laughs>
2: did the uh, did the well, rivalry exist like it does now? Like when you like you made your debut against City, was, was that like a big, a, like like a big derby, like like now, or were people more friendly to, for those kind of games?
3: Um, well, there is a, like, quite a few United players that's actually played for City. Yeah. But for some reason or another, they never took to me at all. I used to get called the last, Busby, whatever, blah, 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 this and that. And as I, I was jokingly saying to there before, I got booed in the warm-up. And <laughs> once my name was called out, yeah. they booed me. <laughs> uh, and it was frightening, you know. And um, I don't know, it just didn't seem to, uh, yeah. to take to me. And it was actually Paddy. I had left Stoke at the time. Because Stoke got relegated and they couldn't... Like, what they said, they can't afford to keep me. But it was Paddy that recommended me to Billy McNeil to join City. Because him and Billy McNeil were big pals.
0: Mm.
3: Went to see Billy at the Bowden Hotel. Talked a great game, Billy. But that's as far as it went.
0: Let's move on from that mistake, Sammy. Um, when it came <laughs> to <laughs> hanging up your boots, it wasn't really that much... You know, it wasn't as like that for you, was it? Because you then went on to player coach, yeah. But, um, instead of just right, this is my retirement. I'm done.
3: No, I, I played. Well, I still try to play now, Alan. But I played then <laughs> till I played when well, my first Northwich Martin Dobson offer, offered me the player coach role at Bristol Rovers because I worked with Martin Dobson at near the end of my career at Bury, and I went to see Martin to say about listen, he's t- I've got the Bristol job. Do you want to come down as a player coach? That would have been my first involvement in coaching. Well, I got a fr- I got a phone call off a friend of mine who used to be here in my day, Gordon Clayton, who used to be a goalkeeper on the books here years ago. He said to me, listen, there's a Northwich job in the conference going, as you called it then. Do you fancy it? And I'll help you, you know, be by my side. I said, yeah, fine. Okay, I've thought about it. Instead of moving to Bristol, yeah. let's see what I'm like as, as management. On your doorstep, at, yeah. On my doorstep, yeah. Northwich. Okay, part-time, but I thought, right, I'll give it a go with Gordon and see how it went. And um, as you said, I, I played the old game for Northwich as well. I think I stopped playing for Northwich. I stopped playing, was it, 38, I think, was my last game for them. I was aged 38, and that was that. So went into Northwich, stayed there for about 14, 15 months, and then from Northwich I went to mm-hmm. Um But the thing, Maisie, that I thought... I could learn in that part-time thing, which was very hard, only seeing them Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. Sometimes you don't even see them Thursday because of work. Mm. There were firemen, there were this, there were that. They had shifts, and that used to drive me mental because I've been a professional mm-hmm. all my time. But was the man management side of things? How mm-hmm. hey, they actually manage this. I've seen you Saturday and I don't see you till next Saturday. Sometimes I'm thinking, oh my God that was hard
0: especially when you're used that's your what that, that was hard to, yeah, yeah I mean you
3: can understand that can't you yeah. that was so difficult yeah. but it it gave me a, an inkling of, of how to handle sort of players or try to handle players when I went to macclesfield what I'd learned in, uh, at northwich sort of helped me and I had a good good seven years at mac we had a few promotions mm-hmm. from the conference right up to league 1 an
0: incredible time how how been. was yeah.
1: you how was you as a manager was you was your firm manager? Or was
3: your I used to join in major as well. Like I used to join in the training and, and stuff like that. At Peter Davenport worked with me. Yeah. Mark Lillis worked with me. I had a great help from a, a, a man I met at Northwich called Gil Prescott. He knew non-league inside out, mm-hmm. which, which was yeah. a great help to me. Yeah. Um. So they they all sort of stayed with me at times right right throughout them days. I hated losing major. I absolutely hated losing, and. I couldn't If I lost on a Saturday. I wanted to be a game on a Tuesday. Yeah. Hopefully to turn it you round. It, yeah. And being like an ex player. Did, did you find it difficult because because of
1: where you'd been? Yeah. And people and they weren't up to your standard or their
3: used to your... think yeah that was I, I that was sometimes at hard and thinking I'd be doing something like in training and I would say to this lad right get it down control it pat and move in this and sometimes it wouldn't work and I'd be thinking why is that not working? Mm. Where I came natural to other players yeah, who yeah, yeah. I worked with yeah. before. Anyway, that soon nipped that in the bud with the help of like the skilled press cut who, who helped me a great deal. And then, as I say, be, began to learn. that hang on a minute, this is a part time for these.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Work is there. It's mm-hmm. not their bread and Made butter, money, yeah. 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 Made money. But when McIlwraith started to do well and we got promoted, we had to make a decision: got to go full time or I have to look for the club to... So to, to be heard of that group of lads, they picked their jobs in and went full-time on wages, which you'd blink an eye at. You know, they, they probably went full-time on less money. Yeah. Some of them to have a go at professional football, which was but unbelievable. You had a
0: great period, though. Oh, fantastic. memories that...
3: You know, two promotions and...
0: Yeah, trip to
3: Wembley, was it? Trip to Wembley, uh, FA Trophy. Fantastic, really was mm-hmm. good. I mean, one season... Mac were up against Man City, Preston, Burnley, Julian, Fulham, Kevin Keegan at Fulham. Unbelievable. And we got relegated by the most points a team would ever get relegated. 46 points. 46 points got us relegated at that time. Um, Unbelievable. Well, it was was a great adventure there. Mm -hmm. Great adventure. Did
0: you enjoy your managerial career as a whole?
3: I did because luckily, you know, we I did okay. I did okay with some of the, the things that were at promotions. It was great to get Macclesfield and Morkham from the conference into the league. Mm-hmm. And they're both, well, Mac is, well, I think they're on the up now. Somebody's mm-hmm. took over. But to get them into the football league and stay there for a number of years, I was really pleased with that. And obviously managing your country, mm-hmm. um, even though that was at some times, you had to be a politician as well as a manager. Mm-hmm to manage Northern Ireland. It was very difficult, mm-hmm. but uh, all great experiences at the what's, end of the day.
0: What's been the proudest moment in your career or is that a very difficult question? It's a answer? very
3: difficult question, but obviously playing for your country, captaining your country and managing has been brilliant. And also being at this club, you know, one of the biggest in the world for 13 years has mm-hmm. been great as well. Mm-hmm. From, a, from a kid from Belfast who only wanted to play football mm. That was that. has been fantastic. You
0: only wanted to play in the Irish League. If you had got your way,
3: uh, it only, for it your dad. Only, only down to my father. Only down to my father. I could have been a record holder, caps for player appearances for <laughs> <laughs> Linfield, something like
1: that. If, if there was one game you could you could go back to, or a couple of games. We think I was bang on there. Or the atmosphere, the the actual game.
3: Debut always. Debut yeah. is always going to be up there because of the way it happened playing with great players in the team big names Manchester Derby 71-72 that will always be up in the forefront mm-hmm. first game for Northern Ireland obviously so gutted it wasn't at home we played Spain at Hull City that, I'll always remember that 1-1 draw and then the game where I scored a hat-trick here at Wolves where Big Rom was a manager and he sent Robbo on the field mm. with a gold pen there's a shock <laughs> what is uh, toothpick <laughs> uh, that'll always that'll always stay because after the game Rubble was brilliant Rubble I kept my match ball and Rubble took the ball off me and signed it Brown Robson the most costliest sub in the game <laughs> <laughs> so Rubble Rubble was was brilliant with that so uh, yeah as I say those, those sort of those are sort of I mean there's been other games yeah, obviously yeah. where you, there's been highlights and there's been sad things happened and stuff but those three are are up
2: there yeah. yeah Helen, i think there's one question left
0: i know i always ask it though. you do <laughs> we always have to ask who you would like to recommend for our podcast funnily enough arthur last week did recommend jimmy nickel who we have got lined up um who would you recommend to speak to us
3: well i mean you've had a load on haven't you i mean i might be saying somebody who you've had on
0: that's okay so i'm gonna just um, tell you the right Wherever
3: Jimmy Nick, as I say, a parliament, Jimmy Nick would be fun. But you've got him lined up, have you?
0: Well, we've, we've asked him and he said yes. Have you
3: done Gary Bailey? No, but really?
0: you know what? Loads of people have said that. Yeah, not
1: everyone from... says that. Maybe we wait for um, lockdown to come out and then we can have a trip. Oh, but that's the thing we you see, with lockdown and stuff like that.
3: Oh, you'd love trip a trip to, to, to South Africa, Africa oh, mate, oh, yeah. wouldn't <laughs> you? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, he'd be interested in Gary Bailey. Yeah.
2: Perfect. Sammy, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank pleasure. you,
3: Sammy. Really
2: enjoyed it.
0: Guys, did we both enjoy that one?
2: Brilliant. Absolutely excellent. I
0: love that.
2: Really good. How cool is it? I think. Um, I think He's so cool. Yeah, I, I can't. I say this all the time. but I think that was one of the best ones we've ever done. It had a, a really wonderful mix of him telling such funny stories, and then also having those really serious, poignant moments from talking about his parents and the troubles. And mm-hmm. I think the the whole thing. I was just a joy to listen to. I could have sat here for the rest of the day.
0: I think we could. That could have gone on for a, a much longer yeah, we time. Could
2: have, um, got another half hour,
0: mm-hmm.
2: an hour, easy. Yeah. Incredible yeah, great. career. Great career. Mm-hmm. Great career. It's really interesting his story about him leaving because as Helen you pointed out at the time mostly people say yeah you know I was ready to go and it uh, felt about right and, but also Maisie at the time you pointed out that you know he wasn't 32, he wasn't 33, he was 27, 27. and he should be hitting his peak 27. years. 27. It's the incredible. The thing is as
0: well I think for some people maybe Manchester United isn't the be all and end all for some players mm-hmm. but for Sammy it clearly was. Yeah. yeah Maisie I'm uh, maybe speaking on behalf of you, but I'd imagine you felt yeah. that way too. Absolutely. But for a lot of players, maybe they're not bothered if they move on. But because Sammy just lived and breathed at Manchester United, he loved it. That's why it hurt him so much.
1: Well, to spend, I think, to spend 13 years there. Yeah. And obviously, he could have pl- played, what, another three or four years? Mm. An incredible career. And you're in the likes of like Giggsy, Skolzy, Nev, who've gone on and played so many years for United. It's. It's a, a remarkable achievement to do that. And like you said, 27 is it's so early for mm-hmm. him to to walk away. But then he walks in, Captain Marvel.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but also, and then he, said, he did say, to be fair to him, that, you know, maybe uh, if, if it happened in a different way and his pride hadn't been quite so hurt, then he probably would have stayed. Mm-hmm. And he would have, you know. It's amazing how what,
1: one, one person can, can change your whole mm-hmm. perspective of, mm-hmm. of you being at a club and, you know, Big Ron saying the way he said it. You know, if he'd have said, look, I'm bringing Robbo in, mm-hmm. but I want you to continue. I want you to fight. I think you and Robbo can work together. Because he still had over 12 months on his contract. Mm-hmm. He could have quite easily have stayed and You never know. You never know. No. What would have happened? Phenomenal player, though.
2: Great yeah. story. I was thinking of when uh, Dimitar Berbatov told us that getting to Manchester United was reaching the top of the mountain. Mm. Nobody wants to go down, do they? No. No, there's not many clubs if there is any clubs that you can leave after here, yeah. that goes higher. Sounds a bit like um, maybe Big Ron knew at the job, I guess, hadn't been at United very long, didn't quite appreciate that. He seemed very relaxed maybe about the mm. idea of quite a lot of money on the table, you can go if you want. He wasn't thinking that, of course, he wouldn't want to go. Why mm. would he want to go? Mm. It's New
0: manager brings their own ideas. Though, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great podcast. Let's get some emails now. Jason McCutcheon said, it's been amazing listening to the podcast over the past few months. I absolutely love you guys. (laughs) Is this the one you sent me before?
2: Helen, read the email. No. No. Yeah, Yeah, that's why I started laughing. I saw it. No, I'm not reading it. Helen, if you could read the email, please. (laughs) No. No, Helen Helen, it. stop I through this email but I'm going to carry on uh, it says I absolutely love all you guys but Helen is brilliant her warmth really comes across during the podcast tell Johnny Evans we miss him at Manchester United top class player keep up the great work Sam Maisie, and all sincerely Jason Helen how do you feel about that
0: I don't really like talking about myself but well, Jason not, was talking about you it's not a family member that's all I
2: can say. Uh, got one here from uh, Brian Svelbar who says, thank you guys so much for the Andy Cole episode. One of my all-time favourites and could have done another four hours with him and we all would have been happy. Thank you for this podcast. It's truly exceptional. Uh, Brian, who's been a United fan since 1985. Guys, I should also add, uh, someone tweeted me the other day to say that they have felt so much better since listening to it oh, wow. because of they've had uh, similar um, medical Issues, I suppose, is the right word, as mm-hmm. and 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 it's had similar treatments, and f- feels like they're not alone because they've Aww, heard those experiences. Nice. And I think the two did, did a sensational job, and
0: thank you very much, Sam. Everybody loved That's it. So nice. That was very nice, Sam. Uh, Brandon Kim says, "Hi guys, I'm Brandon from Philadelphia. I've been a massive United fan since the 2007 eight season. I started following the club shortly after, uh, Jisung Park joined the club, and ever since I've been a loyal fan." I've especially enjoyed listening to Patrice Everett, Robin Van Persie episodes. Everett's story of begging on the streets of Paris to asking his brother for food at McDonald's crushed me. I was in tears, but especially when he got to Italy and went to his room to find his kit. Absolutely incredible journey. Robin's was also amazing hearing about how he raises his son and the difference between a winner or a loser was so inspiring. These episodes have been a lifesaver during quarantine. So thank you very much. You three are brilliant, stay safe and healthy. Brandon. Thank you, Brandon.
2: Thanks, Brandon. Uh, one here from uh, Daniel Karuna. He says, thank you so much for your work and content. It continues to put a smile on my face when I hear the stories of so many players I've watched over the years. My question is for Helen. Firstly, when are we getting Johnny on the pod? Secondly, how difficult is it for a spouse to hear supporters talk about the player and not the man? How did you deal with the criticism, especially being so well connected to the club? Keep up the great work all the way from sunny Malta. Thanks, Daniel. Helen, two questions for you.
0: That's not really a question I could really answer. We could Can we keep that email for next time? We'll save that answer for when Johnny joins us on the podcast, shall we? Yeah, I
2: think that sounds fair. If I can get a contact. 2025, it'll be something. (laughs) There you go, Daniel. You will get a proper answer, it sounds like.
0: That is it for another week. Thank you. If you made it all the way to the end, remember, if you want to get in touch, you can email us, unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk. That address is in the notes for this episode if you need it. You can also tweet us, um, each of us personally. Macy.
1: Simon. Macy in particular. (laughs) Yeah, Simon for his uh, dodgy arm. (laughs)
2: And you will get a reply.
0: Uh, That is it. We will see you again next week. And don't forget, you can watch our episodes on MUTV every Friday too.
2: Yes, you can. Um, and one final thing we should mention, after the success of um, the episode when Helen talked about having David as Santa Claus, he has now volunteered to do it for any children you might have. So if you send him a tweet he will uh, of a review, you have to have reviewed the podcast and it needs to be favourable, he will send you a video of himself dressed as Father Christmas, wishing your children a very Merry Christmas. Beard and hat and everything. That is guaranteed. Oh, oh, ho. Oh.